we're here to celebrate something special this weekend. Um, this is LaCroix's 35th anniversary, um, which is a big, yeah. Uh, which is a big deal. And we want to take some time and reflect and remember what God has been doing in our midst. So this is a day for rejoicing, a day to celebrate in our Lord Jesus Christ. What I'd like to do now is... Wendy, when you think about LaCroix Church and 35 years of a community pursuing Christ, what's, what story comes to mind? What story stands out to you? Um, there's a lot that's happened in 35 years, but one of the stories that stands out to me is definitely Kelly Morton. Kelly is a wonderful, you know, passionate, fun-loving person, and so she's just fun to spend time with uh, for any reason. And, uh, you know, the, the friendship that we have was built on, you know, lots of conversations that happened over lots of time. and. It wasn't an immediate deep thing. It was very slow growing. And me sharing about who I am, this, there's not a way to do that without talking about Jesus at the same time. Because Kelly was open to knowing me, it was just a very natural f thing for her to also be introduced to Jesus. This current sanctuary at LaCroix was just finishing being built and they hadn't laid carpet one of the services, they opened it up for people to write names of people that they were praying for. I honestly, I didn't think that much of it at the time. It was just uh, an extension of, of my prayer life for her. I don't even know how it happened, but she became aware. And uh, when she heard that people's names were written under the carpet in the sanctuary, she, was, she said she immediately knew that hers was there. Kelly was extremely excited about getting baptized. She knew that it was gonna be the day that she became a new person, that she was gonna exchange her old life for a new one. And um, just a super significant turning point. And it was, you know, her embracing what LaCroix is about, which is, you know, wholeheartedly following Jesus. When I think about LaCroix's mission statement, leading people to wholeheartedly follow Jesus, I think of my friend. I think of one of my family members. I think of my friend Melanie. Thomas. Ariana Lee. Dustin Keel. Connie Lake. I think of my friend coming to faith through LaCroix. She was a single mom who had just moved from Kenya. really struggled to even walk in the doors of a church. She battled addiction, depression. And Jesus met her there through Alpha, through Rooted. Getting baptized in the lake and now living as a disciple of Jesus. I've seen terrible cancer diagnosis turned into full remission by the power of the Holy Spirit. She was baptized on the lawn of the Ignite House. He met Jesus for the first time in prison. And I knew that the Holy Spirit was working in me and I could be forgiven of my sins. To see him have a desire to get to know God as he never had before. We know that that was the Holy Spirit. And now he's got hope for his future. And today wholeheartedly follows Jesus.
the Lord God Almighty
myself keep walking on
25 years, it's a lot of change. It doesn't matter who's preaching, who's leading worship, what building we're in, who's in the seats, whether you're online or in the room or down in the rainforest, wherever, you're, wherever you are, wherever you've experienced LaCroix, it's all about Jesus. It's all because of Jesus that we've seen what we've seen in 35 years. pray together. Father, we thank you that you are at work in us and through us and in the world. Lord, we acknowledge that if we're involved, there is a mix. There are the spaces where we are surrendering and participating with you. And at the same time, we have our self and our sin. And Lord, for that, we, um, we repent and we're sorry. We ask that you would help us. Help us, Lord. For the places that you are moving, 
and have been at work, God, we want to name and celebrate like you have had your people do through the Old Testament and the New Testament to come and mark places where you have been at work and remember the history of your, of your movement. So Jesus, today, would you, would you draw us closer to yourself? And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. You can grab a seat. Our uh, scripture today comes from Luke chapter 14. And in verse 15 it says, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. The master told his servant, go out into the roads and country lanes And compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is God's word for us today in the words of Jesus. Um, As we uh, come together for worship, one of the things that we do is is we we worship through giving um, of our our resources. And um, when we do that, we are participating in a local community and in God's effort and intention to bring those that are outside, inside, to be at the Father's table. So I would encourage you, um, you can give uh, online or physically in the room. There's some boxes in the back. Um, but that is what we want to be a part of. Uh, today, as we come together, one of the things that we've been doing regularly once a year on our anniversary um, for a few years now that has been extremely helpful to us um, as a leadership team to gain insight into what's going on in our church Um, is to have everyone um, fill out uh, this spiritual health survey um, that you got when you came in. Um, If you didn't get one of these when you came in, um, just stick your hand up and somebody will bring you one of these. And um, the reason why we do this is because our our mission is leading people to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. And that's tough to count. That's tough to figure out how it's going. Um, And, uh, you know, we can figure out how many people are in a room or, you know, there's different ways of counting. And that's all good and we need to do that. But that's not the same as making wholehearted followers of Jesus. Um, Having a full room um, doesn't equate to lots of people following Jesus with all their heart. And so one of the ways that we try to keep tabs on that is just once a year, um, just asking a few questions front and back that helps us kind of take a pulse and has really informed us as a leadership team on where uh, you people, where our congregation is strong and where our congregation needs some help and needs some strengthening. 
Um, and so we're just going to take some time right now, and I, I would ask you um, to just um, quickly and um, with intentionality um, just take some time and fill this out right now. So thank you. I'll be back in a few minutes. Good morning. Morning, everybody in Benton. Good morning, everybody online. And happy 35th anniversary, LaCroix. Yeah. I was thinking, where was the podium coming from? And there it came, right there. Okay, good deal. Uh, so, yeah, it was 35 years ago, October 2nd, 1988, that we had our very first worship service. We met in the theater in the mall. It was called the West Park Four Cine. It was a Werenberg theater. Remember that? Werenberg, Werenberg, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we had our first service there. But, but that really doesn't tell the true beginnings. That was in the summer of 1988. Lynn and I moved here June 1st with our then two-year-old daughter, given the opportunity to be uh, founding pastor of this new church. And uh, we decided we would use a method uh, it was called The Phones For You. There was this guy by the name of Norm Wan who was a wild entrepreneur who went around the country teaching people how to start businesses. And um, he would teach them how to um, uh, start businesses up real quickly. And he met Jesus, so he comes to faith in Jesus, and he says, what if I were to take that and use that uh, to help get churches started? And so I learned about this at a conference in Indiana, and we tried that. So it was, it was gonna use the law of large numbers where you call just lots and lots of people. And so we set up a phone bank at Grace Church. Here you see the first picture. That's actually me. There's proof I had a lot of hair one day. I used a pick back in those days. Yeah, and that's, that's actually a landline. If you're under the age of 30, you may need to ask what that's about later to somebody. That's all we had then before cell phones. And, and so the idea was you call a whole bunch of people and a certain percentage, about 10% will agree to, uh, to, uh, to come and then maybe show up. So we had uh, a core group of 10 people, counting me and Linda, just 10 people who had gathered in June and July. And, and then uh, we started making these phone calls and we got volunteers from a bunch of United Methodist churches around the area. Over 100 volunteers would eventually come to Grace Church in that room and, and make phone calls. And after five weeks, we made 26,000 phone calls. Now, uh, usually those, about half of the people would answer. Now, this was before cell phones, and it was before most people even had answering machines. So, so about half of the people would answer, which means we had 13,000 brief conversations with people, and the whole thing was we invited them to come to the first worship service of LaCroix Church out in the mall. And, and so we did all of that, and those who were interested, we got on a mailing list, and we sent them some pieces of mail, and on October 2nd, 1988 at the mall, we had our very first worship service and 210 people showed up uh, to be there for that very, very special service. Yeah. Now, it, it involved, like I said, 13,000 conversations, invitations, 26,000 phone calls. Um, that, that's how the kingdom of God grows. It's one invitation after another. And uh, I'm just curious here because I imagine at some point, most everyone in this room came into a relationship with Christ because somebody invited you, all right? Um, so let's just get a show of hands here. Is there anybody here who got that, one of those 26,000 phone calls back in the summer of 1988? Would you raise your hand? 
And they're, okay, see one, I see, yeah, there's several hands of it. Isn't that kind of cool? All right. Uh, and okay, so since then though, that was the first time. Imagine how many thousands of invitations have been issued since. How many of you, you're here today, you're at LaCroix Church because somebody invited you along the way? Just raise your hand. How many? Look at that. Many, many hands up around the room. Uh, maybe you were invited to a worship service. Perhaps you were invited to Easter or you came to Christmas Eve service and that was your first uh, experience, uh, first time at LaCroix. Just curious, how many of you here, maybe you were invited to, um, to come and pack meals for Feed My Starving Children and that was your first exposure to LaCroix. Got anybody and that was your first? Okay, a couple hands. Anybody, um, it was uh, uh, maybe something else like, oh, like the Christmas program we used to do. Remember Christmas at Cafe LaCroix? Yeah, we'd have, we'd have hundreds and it grew to thousands of people would come to that. How many of you, your first experience at LaCroix was at Christmas at Cafe LaCroix? All right, several people down here. How many, it was Alpha. Somebody invited you to Alpha and uh, that was, yeah, okay, several and it just, when you think about it, how many, you, we couldn't even begin to count the number of invitations that have been extended through the years, not just to LaCroix, but to come into a relationship with Christ. Well, in this passage that was read, in this, we, we have a story, a parable that Jesus tells. And there's this great invitation, come for everything is ready. It's an invitation to a banquet. And, and Jesus tells us this story to help us understand a little bit more of what the kingdom of God is about. So on this, our 35th anniversary as a church, this is sort of a reminder. Like, here's why we do what we do, and here's what we are about. We have three, we call them core values that really define us as a church. We say these are central to LaCroix, and one of them is we are outwardly focused. Uh, maybe you've been a part of a church, I have, that was kind of inwardly focused, ingrown, only concerned about its own members and its own people. That happens all, way too often with churches. We have to be very intentional. Fight. That's just kind of the natural um, flow of life is to become more inwardly focused. But at LaCroix, we want to say we are outwardly focused. And here in this story, we see that you are invited to the greatest banquet of all time greatest feast of all time, knowing God through Jesus Christ. And here, there are two big things that I, I want us to hear that we're called to do, everybody's called to do. The first thing is to accept the invitation. Your first job is to say yes to the invitation when it comes your way. Now, we have a story again, and it's, um, it's about a man who's throwing a big party. Now, in the first century, it would have gone something like this. Uh, maybe a person of wealth was gonna have a big party and a lot of people were gonna be invited and they would send out advanced notifications, what we might call an RSVP today. And they would say, and usually it would be several months in advance, they say in the first week of October, I'm gonna have this great feast and you're invited. And so people would say, yeah. So they get this first invitation. And then as it got closer to the actual event, usually a, a day or two or three ahead, they would send out another invitation and they would say, come, it's ready, come on. It's gonna be Friday night at seven o'clock at my house. So that's where the parable kind of picks up. And um, we see that there are three different responses, all rejections to the invitation to this banquet. 
Now, what I want you to hear, though, is you have to look at the rejections to get it. Embedded within those rejections are three life-transforming gifts that come with being invited to this banquet. Three transforming gifts that come with accepting the invitation. So let's look at verse 18. It says, but they also come for everything's now ready, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, remember, this guy was already invited that he said he'd come. But now he says, I've just bought a field and I've got to go see it. So he buys a piece of property sight unseen. Now, I know that happens sometimes, probably not the best way to buy property, but that's the way he's done it. And he's saying, I have to go and check it out. Now, what's really in this invitation? What's really in, 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 you see it in his rejection, is that you and I are invited into the kingdom of God. We are invited into this realm where God is leading our lives and is, is, is in charge. First thing that Jesus begins to talk about, and I'm thankful for our uh, leaders and others in the church who have been reminding us that it's mostly about this is the kingdom of God. In Mark's gospel, we're introduced to uh, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It says, after John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. That sounds like the parable, right? The banquet. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So what's the good news? The kingdom of God is near. What's the kingdom of God? Where God's will is done and his ways are followed. And that's a beautiful place. That's an amazing place. When God's will is done, when God's ways are honored, it is the best. It is what we were created to do. Um, your kingdom is the extent of your will. You and I, each of us have a kingdom. It's, what, it's where I get what I want done. The kingdom of God is where God gets what he wants done. And where's the clash? We surrender to that. When Jesus was praying at the end of his ministry in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he surrendered to the will of God. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He lived into this kingdom. So what's this guy doing? He says, I, I've got some land. I'm gonna go get it. Now, that would be very unusual. We take it for granted. Most everybody in this room is or has been a, a landowner of some kind, property. Very, very, very rare thing, though, in the history of the world. Very few people own land. What is he really saying? He's saying, Thanks, but no thanks. I'm building my own kingdom. And so he says, no, I'm not gonna come. And, and it's just life. There's nothing sinister. There's nothing terrible about buying property. We do it all the time. Nothing sinful at all about that. It just gets in the way. See, it can get in the way of the ultimate good, of the best thing. You know what the greatest, we just did this survey and thank you for filling it out. It is so helpful for us. We did a survey on discipleship. Friends, you wanna know what the greatest hindrance to discipleship is today in America? You know what it is? This little child said, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna tell you. Life. Life. We get busy. We have property to buy, kids to raise, Sports to get our kids involved with, school, business to build, you know, resume to build, pension plan to build, whatever. It's just life happens and God gets squeezed out. And so this guy says, no, thanks. 
I am building my own kingdom. Verse 19, another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. What's this with buying stuff and not checking it out first? But he does, okay? Just like the other first. He says, I've bought five yoke of oxen. Now, what's, what's the promise? What's the gift there? What was an ox? It's an animal that was used to plow fields. Strong, powerful animal. If you had a farm and you had an ox, your job and your life got a whole lot easier because you could hook up stuff to that ox and it could plow your fields. It represented power. Represented strength. The invitation is you are invited to discover and live into supernatural power. You are invited into a power that is greater than your own. You are invited to live in the kingdom of God, supernatural strength, uh, the bread of life, living water. It gets expressed many different ways. God's power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now this guy, he says he's just bought five oxen. Now that would have been very unusual because most people could not afford one. So if you, you know, if you had some means, you might buy one ox. If you were really wealthy, you might get two. But this guy has just purchased five. So he's well-to-do. And what he's really saying here is, no thanks, I've got my own power source. And when you go to a banquet, what's a banquet? A banquet, you eat wonderful food. What do we do when we get, when we, when we get nourished, when we eat? We get calories, which is the fuel that our body needs to live on. But there's a power that we need that's greater than that. And this guy says, no, I've got my own power source, thank you. Now, now the third guy, he's a little more terse. It says in verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, interestingly, Jewish law, you can find in the Old Testament, had provisions for newly married people to be exempt from military service uh, for, a, for a season. But here, it's a little questionable because he's already said yes to this invitation. If, if there is a big party coming in your community first week of October, you don't plan your wedding then. But now he's saying he just got married. Something is not quite right with this, but he turns it down as well. So what's embedded in the invitation to the banquet? It's an invitation to sit with the master of the house, to enter into an intimate relationship with this one, with this presence. To have God sit with us at the table of life. To sit with God at the table of life. And he says, no, uh, I've got more gratifying relationships. I'm gonna pursue that instead. So here are the three, the three great promises of coming to the banquet is, is, is first off that you are invited into this kingdom that's bigger than us. You're invited to have access to supernatural strength, power from above and, and into a relationship with Jesus. Friends, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. We're not talking about religion here. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus. And that's what happens when you sit down at a table with someone. You sit down at a table, you, you get to know the person, you hang out with them. And that day, was you, you didn't eat dinners with people. Even already, you don't typically go out to eat with people you don't like. You, you eat with people that you want to know better. The God who created the heavens and the earth wants you at his table. He wants you there. So our number one job is to accept the invitation. 
Now, I want you to notice that, that all, now the third guy's a little terse. The, the other two are polite. Please excuse me, I can't come. They're not rude. They're not angry. They're not like rejecting it, kind of an in-your-face rejection. They're polite about it. But the real issue here is what is the greatest sin in the Bible. You know the greatest sin in the Bible? You see it over and over and over again. It's self-sufficiency. I just need me. I don't need God. The problem is they're self-sufficient. I'm building my own kingdom. I've got my own power, thank you. And I've got relationships that they're good for me. Um, and again, their, their attitude is somewhat positive. They had said yes to the banquet. They're saying, yeah, I'd like to do that one day. You know that whole church, that whole God thing? Yeah, I, I, I'm open to that. But you know, not right now, I'm too, I'm, too, I'm too busy right now. And the sad thing is, there are a lot of folks who get a whiff of the banquet. They smell it cooking off in the distance. But they never enter the banquet. Don't you love it when your neighbors cook barbecue outside? Oh my gosh, it makes me jealous every time. It makes me wanna go and invite myself over. But I get them back. Have you ever, you know, a great trick my father-in-law taught me, get your grill, got it all fired up and get some garlic powder, pour it, oh my gosh, they come running, all right? It's pretty good. But seriously, some folks only get a whiff of the banquet. Now what's really sad is that the people of God had been looking forward to this for centuries, centuries. They'd been looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. The prophets spoke of it. The people longed for it. They raised their children saying, one day Messiah will come. And what happened? The Messiah comes and they, they reject him. John's gospel picks this up eloquently in the prologue. He says, he, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. They've been looking forward to this for centuries, and when he showed up, they had excuses, and they said, no thanks. But here's the deal, friends. The party's going on. The banquet's going to happen. The food's going to be served. The master's not going to settle for, he's not going to postpone it. He's not going to reschedule it. He's certainly not going to cancel it. He's going to have this party. So your, but your first job and mine is to accept the invitation to let nothing get in the way of this. And then to extend the invitation. Um, go back to the story. So, these three rejections. The servant came back and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So he, he's, he, we're gonna have this party. You go out there and you find the people who weren't previously invited. You get them here. You get all the hurting people in the community. You can find and you, you bring them to the house. Um, you know, who is the most likely to be open to the gospel are people who have realized that their own self-sufficiency isn't sufficient. They're people who've run into life and it's, it's been hard. It's interesting, when we, started 20, um, when we started 35 years ago, 
it was amazing as time went on, and, and we found us a lot of, that guy who told you about started this, you know, taught us how to do that. Thousands of churches started this way. And we all found that the people who wound up coming, a lot of them were hurting. Some of them had not found community. Many people were new to Cape. They never got connected. Some had just gone through divorce. Others had gone through some kind of serious loss in their life. And when they got that call, they were like, yeah, I'm there. They were open because they were hurting. Um, and so we go to the hurting. You know, we, we hear a lot about the decline of the church in America, and it's true. And I'll come back to that in a moment. Why? But friends, as long as there are hurting people in our world, disconnected, struggling people, the gospel of Jesus is gonna have an audience and there will be people who respond. There will be people who know that they need God and they'll respond. Today, in our culture now, it's different than it was 35 years ago. There are different needs. Uh, anxiety levels are through the roof. You, you, any way you chart it, any way you do the research, more people are anxious today, earlier ages. Loneliness is epidemic. Well, friends, what body can, can, be, can answer the, the, the problems of anxiety and loneliness? Jesus said, do not fear. And I'm saying that it's all that simple, but we can be introduced to the one who can alleviate our fears and our anxiety and we can come into a family, the family of God. When I was at the Alpha Conference in London in 20, I think it was 2018, 2019, uh, we heard a story. Now, in London, London is very, London used to be, I mean, London's where the whole, uh, England's the whole Methodist movement began. And, and it was thriving, but now the church is struggling. What? Much worse than here. But there are little pockets where people are inviting and folks are coming to Jesus. And uh, that Holy Trinity Brompton Church where it all began and this one Alpha, and they told us the story about this woman. A woman came, and, and she was participating in Alpha, and they noticed she was really leaning in, that she was, she was just soaking it up like a sponge. And like the second or third week, she started, um, always, Alpha always begins with a meal. So she would eat her meal, and then she would go back to, uh, to get more food and put it in little containers, wrap it in a bag, and take it home. So she did this week after week. And, and um, you know, the, the leaders at the table thought, I wonder what's going on. Is she, is she homeless? Is she uh, poor and she doesn't have enough money to buy food? So they how do we bring this up discreetly enough? So finally, after several weeks, they, they went up to her and they said, we noticed that you're taking extra food. We're so glad you feel free to do that. Um, is everything okay? Can we, can we help you out? And she goes, oh, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. She goes, I've got a good job, great place to live, and I have plenty of money to buy groceries. But I was so lonely. I had no relationships or friends in this city. And you all invited me here. And you've been welcoming and loving. And I felt so accepted here. So every week I pack up extra food. And I open it the next night or two and I eat it so that I can remember what love tastes like. Friends, as long as there are lonely people, There'll be people who'll say yes and who'll come to faith in Jesus. Our problem is we're self-sufficient. Yeah, it is true. For the first time since it's been recorded, 
since Gallupo's been doing this research in the 1930s, there are fewer than 50% of Americans are going to church. First time I ever dropped below 50%. And yeah, there is decline in the American church. Um, but friends, you wanna, hear, you wanna hear some really good news? Population growth of the world. The world is growing at a clip of about 1% a year. Worldwide population. The Church of Jesus Christ worldwide is growing at a clip of 2% a year. Where the Church of Jesus is doubling population growth. Now, yeah, in the West and in America, the church is declining. In the, in the global South, South America, Africa, Central America, places like China, the church is growing not 2%, 4%. It's quadrupling population growth. Why? Because in those parts of the world, there are a whole lot of people who have nothing else to hope in. Mother Teresa once said, you'll never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. And our problem is we've got money. We've got stuff. We've got technology. And quite frankly, a lot of people in our culture don't think they need God. But there are a lot of hurting people. And they know because they've come to the end of themselves. And they're and they're hurting, and they're aware of their need. Jesus tells, us, tells the church in Laodicea to open their eyes to their real need. In this letter he writes, he says, he says to them, you say, I'm rich. I've acquired a wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shame full nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Um, our self-sufficiency will do us in. But you see, the poor and the hurting and the struggling in life and the addicted, they know. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. It's the satisfied who don't search it out. And then those who do, they, they find a relationship with God. Look, we'll go back to that John passage where it says his own rejected him. Go on to see what it says next. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. There are folks who are just waiting for the invitation and ready, hungry for it. And so... He does this, we're told. And um, sir, you ordered, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master said, go out in the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled full. You wanna get a picture of the heart of God? There it is. God wants his house full. I'm not talking about this church building or this sanctuary, although it's that plus. God wants to throw a big party and everyone's invited and he wants it full. He wants it full. Now, don't give up on your self-sufficient friends because one day they're gonna discover that their little kingdom is puny. They're gonna discover that they don't have power to overcome this thing in their life and they're gonna discover that there is a relationship that outshines them all. So you keep on praying for them. The opening video, so good. Their names, thousands of names written on this floor. 
a lot of those folks have come to Jesus, but still others have, and you keep praying, and you keep inviting, because one day they're going to say yes. Uh, our job is to issue the invitation. I stand at the door, invite them in. There's a poem that I really love. I shared with the Alpha team recently and our staff. Um, it's a poem that has inspired me through the years because I think it really captures what our mission is at LaCroix. It was written by Sam Shoemaker. Some may know the name. Sam Shoemaker um, was a Presbyterian pastor in New York City in the 1920s and 30s, and he worked around a lot of hurting, broken people. He started something called the Oxford Group, which was intended to reach out to uh, people who struggled with life addictions. And out of that came Alcoholics Anonymous. His whole life was reaching out to the addicted and the poor and the crippled and the people who had been beat up by life. And he wrote this poem, I stand at the door. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It's the door through which men and women walk when they find God. There is no use my going way inside it and staying there when so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is only the wall where their door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind people with outstretched groping hands, feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it, so I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for men and women to find that door, the door to God. And the most important thing that any person can do is to take hold of one of those blind groping hands and put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens to the man's own touch. Men and women die outside the door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter. Die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it, live because they have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find him. So I stand by the door. Go in, great saints, go in all the way. Go way down into the cavernous cellars and way up to the spacious attics. It's a vast roomy house, this house where God is. Go into the deepest of hidden casements of withdrawal, of silence, of sainthood. Some must inhabit those inner rooms and know the depths and heights of God and call outside to the rest of us how wonderful it is. Sometimes I take a deeper look in. Sometimes I venture in a little farther. But my place seems always by the opening. So I stand by the door. I admire the people who go way in, but I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they would be able to help the people who've not yet found the door or the people who want to run away again from God. You can go in too deeply and stay too long and forget the people outside the door. As for me, I shall take my old accustomed place near enough to God to hear him and know he's there but not so far from people as to not hear them and remember that they are there too. Where? Outside the door. Thousands of them, millions of them, but more important for me, one of them, two of them, 10 of them, whose hands I'm intended to put on the latch. So I shall stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. I'd rather be a doorkeeper so I stand by the door. And that's your mission. That's our mission. Stand by the door. And extend that invitation to enter the kingdom 
God's kingdom, to find a power for life that they'll never find outside that door, and to know the one who made it all. That's our mission. So first, accept the invitation. And then, friends, let's keep extending that invitation. We've done it for 35 years. Let's keep on keeping on. Because there are a lot of hurting people out there, and they're just waiting for someone like you to show them some hope. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your grace is with us and that um, you invited us. Thank you that you invited us. I thank you for the many in this room who've said yes. The many over the years, the 35 years, some who've gone on to be with you and live in that great house of God in the heavens. And I thank you that there are those outside that we can invite because you want your house full, God. It's your heart that nobody be left out, that all be included. So we stand by the door. God, would you give us that vision and keep that before us as we begin the next 35 years? May our eyes be open to the poor, the blind, the crippled, the addicted, the hurting, the lonely, the anxious. Yeah. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to practice what I preach, and I want to issue an invitation today. And that is, if you have really not ever said yes to the invitation, or you've never been baptized, and you say, I want to get baptized, I want to, I want to go, I want to, I want to come in. Um, during this song, which this song kind of captures part of what we're about. Um, Brad and Kim are going to be at the, these, these ramps you see over here. And if you want to go up to them, and we'll baptize you this afternoon at the, at the Sunday at the Park thing. This afternoon. If you want to come and meet Jesus, you go and talk to one of them. They'll pray with you and for you. And let's hear the words of this song. This goes out to every outcast, to the just don't quite fit in. Every wrong way runaway rebel, so ashamed of where you've been. This goes out to every searcher, trying to fill that empty space. Well, your searching days are over now, everything's about to change.
Hear that sweet forgiveness song. Come and join the Jesus people. This is where your heart belongs.